0: Hey, welcome to Life 2.0 Podcast. I'm John St. Augustine. Time to go up the down staircase in the outdoor, make sense out of the senseless, and if at all possible, find the obvious, buried the absurd, hold on to your lug nuts. Time for an overall. (music) back in the air chair behind the microphone, took last Saturday off. I was away for the weekend with friends, and it was a much-needed respite from the erosion of life. How's that for a sentence? Last uh, Thursday night, I did a uh, writer's workshop with my gal pal, Jennifer Weigel, and, um, you know, when when you tend to write a lot, which I do, so much of what goes on in the world becomes sentences in my mind, you know, and um, it's just like a transposition of some sort takes place. Not sure where it comes from, really don't care, just glad that it does. So things like that that pop out. Even the open of the show, the whole up-the-down staircase in the outdoor. there, I, I have no idea where that came from. I've been doing that for years. But it really, to me, sums up what I attempt to do here every Saturday, which is to find the sense in the senseless and the obvious, bird and the absurd, and, and all the things that go on in our lives that we can't really control for the most part and try to understand. So every time... Uh, let me put it this way. Let me roll back to the fishing weekend, which we fished for a couple days. It was great to get on the water. Uh, but to be away from the news and the traffic and the weather reports and all the stuff that really inundates, one of my favorite words, inundates our lives on a daily basis. When you remove that, you realize, hey, there's other things going on besides the news and the weather and the traffic. So those type of little breaks are important. You know, during the day, I've got so much going on here in front of me on this uh, trusty, dusty Dell that I don't have any other sources of information on. Um, when I take a break at lunch, which I try to keep a somewhat normal day, even though it's really early, uh, my lunch will be like at 10.30 or 11 or 12, somewhere in there. Uh, not that you need to know that, but just for effect. And, uh, and then I'll turn something on, but I never turn the news on because what's the point? So I'll watch a movie or whatever. But even even that, just stopping that for three or four days reminds me of other times, like when there was not all this information constantly bombarding us from so many different sources, which I think, I don't even think I know, is not good for us on any level. It's like being in a cage, in my opinion, observation, definite experience, like being in a cage in a corner, get poked at all the time. You can't stop, you know, you keep poking away and shit's going to happen. And by the way, Uh, As a heads up, you're going to hear the word shit a lot in this show. There's a reason for that. I'll get to it in a second. So if the word shit offends you, you know, you can skip this one. That's okay. Uh, If the word shit offends you in different forms, we're going to find that out. But I came across something about a month ago. I've been sitting on it, holding it, waiting for the right time. And I went this morning, I thought, this is the perfect show and I'll tell you why. Yesterday, I went into an auto parts store and, uh, you know, how far do I take this down a rabbit hole? I'm literally driving around looking for a turn signal bulb for a Kia. And both places I went were sold out. Apparently, they're very, you know, popular bulbs. So back in the day, I'd have walked over to H&E Auto Parts on Pulaski Road. And I would have sit down with uh, with the guys that own that place. And within an hour or two, I'd have a, a bulb. But in the meantime, I'd bullshit with them. I'd be sitting there at the counter. and We'd go through, talk about car parts and stuff. I loved all that stuff. Still do. Anyway, I'm driving around looking for this uh, bulb. And I go to the third auto zone, comfort zone, you know, heat zone, cool zone, auto zone, cool places. And, you know, they're all basically the same at this point. So, you know, O'Reilly's and AutoZone, everybody's selling the same shit. So I get in there and there's uh, nobody at the counter, which I don't need. I got to just go find the bulbs, which they're all in the same place in every store. And I went in and all of a sudden I could hear this. Shouting, as I'm looking for the bulb, the two three five seven LL, by the way, and th- it's getting louder and louder. And I'm kind of like, is there was there a problem here? Do I need to, you know, find a tire wrench to defend myself? And all of a sudden, the slew of profanities. I mean, I'm not going to report repeat it here in this, uh you know, sacred space. I'll go as far as shit. You might hear something else every now and again, but. This was this was serious street language, and I thought, "What the heck's going on here?" So I just I popped my head up. There's no one else in the store but me and all this ruckus, and it's the people that work there. They're all yelling at each other about something, and I think there was three or four people in in the place, and they didn't know I was there, and they're f-bombing this and f-bombing that. You're f-bombing, and I mean, it was just this. It was like an f-bomb raid. And look, I've been around course language all my life. I dropped the F-bomb as needed. This just seemed different to me, probably because it was echoing off the, you know, the car parts. And I thought, I'd never do that in a place of business. They don't know that I'm there, so that's a given. But I'd never talk that way where I worked, not like this, no matter where I've been. I mean, maybe when I was in the service, but even then that's not like good protocol. So I finally stood up and I said, hey, could somebody help me find it? And they all stopped. And they were caught. And I said, yeah, it is what it is. It's your place. You know, just know that if somebody else would have walked in here that was far more, you know, sensitive to this stuff, you may have lost a customer. I don't think they give a shit, really. But and, and what it seemed to be is some guy that was the manager was leaving and the new manager was coming on and they were complaining about this and it became like a, a verbal free-for-all. So they all kind of got real quiet and I'm oh like we're sorry sir and it's like oh whatever it is what it is and as I'm checking out I talked to the guy and I said it's just really interesting how uh, you know curse words are basically the norm these days I mean they kind of always have right they're getting more and more normalized and you know you turn on cable television or what we have is called rokus so I guess it's technically still cable and you know you have the the, the old-time movies and shows that you, the biggest thing you'd heard was what the rip and now you got stuff on. It's just it's f bomb city, which doesn't bother me. It was the context and the and the place I think that was a really interesting, a place of business. So it got me thinking, as I do always, about what offends people and what doesn't, and why that is. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's the way you grow up. You know the influences you have. Whatever. Um, I have a friend of mine who I know is probably going to be listening to this podcast, and she's going to get a hold of me and say, "You say the shit word too much," but. For me, it was like that's the go-to word. I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but in Chicago, it's the shits, right? So I came across this, uh, this graphic. I thought, this is just for fun. Don't send me your offensive emails unless you really feel you need to. But this is what I came across. It said, to be truly fluent in English, you must know your shit. So here's some of the shits that are mostly used during our uh, tenure here on the planet. And what they equate to in regular verbiage. One of my favorites, dog shit. Boy, this is, just tastes like dog shit. Not that I'd ever know what dog shit tastes like. But dog shit equals very poor quality. So somebody walks up and says, this is like dog shit. It's not good. As if dog shit would be good. I can't help you with that part. Another great one. That's bullshit. That's <laughs> bullshit. It means something's not true. And you hear this all the time. And You know, I used to tell people, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in was, you know, we're northwest side of Chicago. and uh, But the thing I, I think I really enjoyed as part of growing up was you couldn't bullshit people. They call you on your bullshit. Did you ever hear that? you are going to come and call you on your bullshit. Good stuff. How about horse shit? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I got a long way to go. I'm not going to make it because I'm starting to crack up. That's horse shit. I've used so many of these words and I, and you could it's like it's like a it's like a code, isn't it really? You got your dog shit, bullshit, horse shit. That's nonsense, of course. Horse is, horse shit is nonsense. That's horse shit. You kind of know the difference. That's dog shit, is very poor quality. That's bullshit. Eh, not true. Horse shit is you gotta be kidding me. How about ape shit? You know, they went ape shit. Don't go ape shit on me. That means you're rambunctious. <laughs> I don't know who came up with this list. I'm just glad they did. Batshit. They're batshit crazy. That means someone who's just, you know, lost their shit. Chicken shit, one of my favorites. It means you're a coward, right? And growing up you'd I heard this all the time. Come on, you chicken shit. <laughs> Why a chicken is connected to being a coward? I'm not really sure. Rat shit is poor quality so very poor quality is dog shit somehow ratchet is just poor quality so dog shits worse so somebody says you know this hamburger tastes like ratchet that's poor quality but they say it tastes like dog shit that's really bad here's one of the best times of all right here's one of the best sayings of all time no shit i say that even when no one's here to listen i'll be sitting there listening to something i'll be doing some audio work or whatever Oh, no shit. Always catch me off. It's obviously no shit. Holy shit. You know what? I think putting the word holy and shit together may bother some people. So I apologize. But holy shit. Come on, get over it. Mind-blowing. Unbelievable. Hot shit. That's very good. So if you're having something that's hot shit as opposed to dog shit, you got dog shit, very poor quality. You got hot shit. That's very good. Oh, you think you're hot shit, huh? Okay. (laughs) This next one. This next one. There are friends of mine that they thought this was their name for the first 10 years of their life. Dipshit. (laughs) Hey, dipshit. (laughs) Which is a total dumbass. Dipshit. You got tough shit. You know what? Just tough shit. Just deal with it. Take it or leave it. Tough shit. You don't know jack shit. Now, I have no idea how that came. I have to research that one. This is just a list with words in their translated meanings, but jack shit. You don't know jack shit. <laughs> and finally, what I think this show is at times the shits, perfection, top notch quality. Let me run down this list for you one more time in case you missed anything dog shit, poor quality, bullshit, not true, horse shit, nonsense. Ape shit, rambunctious, bat shit, crazy. Of course, you're insane. You chicken shit, you're a coward. Um, no shit, obviously. Holy shit, mind-blowing. Hot shit, very good. Dip shit, a <laughs> total dumbass. Tough shit, take it or leave it. Jack shit, you don't know anything. And the shits, which is perfection. So hopefully these things in some way, shape, or form... Uh, humorously illustrate the fact that what offends one person obviously you cannot offend another one none of these words bother me whatsoever I grew up with them I heard them they're innocuous to me they, they, they don't have any they're kind of hollow to me it's just a part of the language you start dropping f-bonds on people things get a little bit more serious and when I heard them yesterday in the in the auto parts place I thought that just I mean that was past my limit now when I'm here in my own studio, I'll drop an F-bomb. There's nobody can hear it. So it's, you know, it's harmless. But out in public, when you start talking a certain way, it is interesting how some of the stuff is accepted at this point, and some of it still, there's a limit there. God, it's got to be five years ago. And uh, around this time of year is 4th of July time, which I'll get to in just a few minutes. Went over to the local Jewels. Now, if you're from Chicago, you, don't, you put an S on there. The uh, brand is Jewel Food Stores, but we all call it the Jewels. I don't know where that came from either. That's some shit, isn't it? But I was over at Jewels uh, getting whatever at the deli, and there was a guy came in with his girlfriend, obviously very, very drunk and very sunburned and kind of a, a chicken shit guy because he was starting to mouth off to the people behind the counter. And when I go out in places, I really try just to mind my own business. But as things have increased over the years, I'm well aware of the fact that there are, you know, Shit for brains everywhere. Told you you're going to hear shit a lot. And this guy starts mouthing off. And most of the people behind the counter are African-American. And he starts dropping racial slurs. And they're like, sir, please don't talk that way. Please don't talk that way. And I just turned my head. Now, this guy had to be 5'8", about 160 pounds. Usually, the smaller you are, the bigger your mouth is. And I have no tolerance for that. I worked in a bar for a long time ago. But I worked in a bar as a bouncer, and it was an indelible mark on in me that I just have no tolerance for dipshits, right? And this guy was a definite dipshit. And I've thrown more of these guys out of bars and had to have these conversations. And it was obviously he was inebriated or on something. And his girlfriend standing next to him, she's just kind of, you know, shrinking as she's standing next to him. And I turn around and, you know, I, I let off a stream of, God knows what, I'm sure there's a lot of shits in there and F-bombs and, you know, whatever else I could conjure up at the time. And the guy looked at me and he said, so what are you going to do about it? After I settle it, I'm thinking, well, we're going to call 911 because there's an emergency or somebody got hurt. Who's that? I said, I'm going to bounce your head off the deli case here and your girlfriend's going to record it and I'll probably get sued, but okay, but you can't talk to these people that way and we'll get that on, on film too. Fine, and he leaves. So I didn't have to get, there was no physical altercation there, but I found it effective to use certain words for this dipshit to get the point across that you need to leave. So in that sense, I was in a public place dropping F-bombs in a liberal fashion, but there was purpose behind it. And to me, it was just an, it was the situation that called for. It. I probably could have used some very straight language, and I don't think it would have had the same effect. I think the best time I ever, uh, the best line I ever heard When I was bouncing in the bars, again, you're throwing out people who've been drinking for six hours, and you're stone sober, not a match. And I remember walking up to this guy, and he was just, you know, look, I don't mind drinking, I enjoy having bourbon and things, but getting slosh drunk is just a waste of time for me. And uh, not that to say there wasn't a few times that I did it, that's for sure. But when I was working at the bar, I never drank. It was stupid. And this guy came up and, you know, two or three swings at me. And, you know, I'm going to do... He's going to... We're going to do all these things because the lights came on. It's time to go home. And I grabbed a line from my buddies, the road warriors, the pro wrestlers. And the guy came up real close to me. He said, what are you going to do? I said, when you wake up tomorrow, you're going to look awful funny, trying to eat corn on the cob but no F in teeth. I did the F part straight through. And his eyes just opened up and that got his attention. So words obviously can be swords or saviors depending on how you use them. I wrote in my first book about the power of words and uh, you know how words move people one way or another. And I think until you get to a point, at least for me, where you know who you are and you know what your equilibrium is at, you know, words don't sway you as much. At least they don't for me. When I don't listen to so much what people say, except in certain situations like being at the auto zone parts place, uh, as, as to what they do. And I think that's a big part of it. You know, so much of our communication is nonverbal. So it's always interesting to me as I'm doing this podcast, you can't see me. I have to use my words in a way that somewhat crane pictures. So, you know, dog shit, bullshit, horse shit, chicken shit, rat shit, all that shit. Holy shit, that type of thing. I'm sure it conjured up something in your mind that may relate to you in your life. And again, my friend Jenny's going to text me. Really? Get off it. So, anyway. That was I wanted thank you so much for that. That was about 17 minutes you probably can't get back in your life. But I wanted to roll through that and get it out of my head because it was prevalent in my mind because of yesterday and the whole thing with the uh, with the car parts place. Monday is 4th of July. And, you know, over the years in radio I've done so many shows on the 4th and I've had authors on and you know, historians and things and I originally thought to uh, to do a show today that was very very patriotic and very uh, steeped in the culture of our country. And I thought, nah, I don't want to do that shit. <laughs> I've already done it many, many times. But I, what I wanted to say is that there's so much about, I think those early, uh, years of how our nation was formed that we don't really even know some of the things that, that took place in, in between the lines, so to speak. So my big one, and I just, you know, put this out there, you know, people have been blowing off fireworks, for three weeks around here. Some of the municipalities, I believe, are doing them ahead of time for whatever reason. And um, it's their prerogative, but it's like, was that thunder or is there a bombing raid? Are we, you know, are we, are we getting a blitz, blitzkrieg here? You know, when you're doing it two, three weeks ahead, so it makes you kind of wonder, especially at 11 o'clock at night. But uh, they're going to start soon. You know, this is Saturday morning, I'm sure, by tomorrow afternoon, if not tonight, running into Tuesday, you know, it's going to be a, a, a fireworks fest, as it should on some levels. But here's the thing about fireworks. According to the American Pyrotechnic Association, Americans will spend more than a billion dollars on fireworks this year. When we went to Wisconsin, now they're illegal here in Illinois, I believe, but when you go across the line to Wisconsin, it is massive, you know, buildings selling everything you can imagine in firework land. I just want to get those snakes. Remember the snakes? You just light them and they curl up on the sidewalk and they smell good. Or maybe a couple of bottle rockets or something that spins around. We didn't have any, maybe an M80. Every now and again, a guy had an M80. You thought the place was getting blown to bits. But uh, we spend over a billion dollars a year on that. Out of those uh, billion dollars, all that is spent on fireworks and all that we acquire, only 10% of those are set off by professionals. 90% of what's gonna be blown up the next few days is just by people in their neighborhoods and backyards and things like that, which probably accounts for the estimated 13,000 firework-related emergency room visits across the country. The ERs are gonna be busy. Somebody's gonna be blown off their thumb or their hand or their dog, and they're, you know, it's gonna be a, a thing for sure. It happens every year. The other part of this for the menfolk is that, uh, according to fortune magazine of those injuries occurring between june and july 70% are experienced by the men folk i'm going to blow this up next thing you know you're a, you know one arm wallpaper hanger so there's that piece but the third piece is interesting to me you know as our challenges with china have go up and down you know uh, over the last 10 years for sure uh, you hear this rally call about buying American and keeping American goods in the in the supply chain, which is a great thing. But however, we live in a global economy. So it's everybody's got something from China in their house. And this reminds me a little bit of, uh, you know, you got to get a reality check here, folks. Global economy, everything's connected to something else. You pull a string here, something moves somewhere else in the world. 90% of the fireworks we buy are made in China. So we're celebrating our independence 247 years this year, but with Chinese fireworks. And people don't even realize that. So it doesn't matter to me one way or the other, but just be aware of the fact that you're buying communist goods. <laughs> we did. This is the one that I knew and I learned in class many, many moons ago. We didn't actually declare independence on the 4th of July back in the day. One of the misconceptions Uh, is about the name and the date. It was widely believed that America declared their independence from Britain on July 4th, 1776. Not true. The uh, vote actually took place two days before. and The declaration published in papers was on July 4th. So they made the vote on the 2nd. It wasn't until the 4th that the papers were published. And we start talking about the papers. Only two men signed the Declaration of Independence on July 4th. Charles Thompson and the infamous John Hancock who used up a lot of the paper were the only two men who actually signed the declaration on July 4th. The other 54 signed over the course of the next month, well into August, before it was signed by everybody. So just a little something to know. There's a little bit written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. We were in Washington a couple of years ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Uh, A friend of mine, Captain Jerry Coffey, was laid to rest at Arlington, which was a, a very somber and sobering experience. If you've not been to Arlington Cemetery, uh, you might want to do that at some point because it is, a, it is a thing. But anyway, we went to the National Archives and we went to see the Declaration of Independence and the lighting in the room is very dim because of the paper. They want to, you know, degrade the paper. But according to the History Channel, there's a message written upside down across the bottom of the signed document behind the Declaration of, of Independence. And no it's not a treasure map like uh, Nicholas Cage is always running after. But uh, on the bottom of it, it reads... Original Declaration of Independence dated 4th of July, 1776, upside down and across the bottom. Nobody knows who wrote it, but is believed to be added as a label during the years of the Revolutionary War when the parchment was often rolled up and stored or sent in transport to get signed. So this picture, to some greater or lesser degree that we have, of all these men with their, you know, their powdered wigs and their, their high pants and their, their boots on, uh, in one room, you know, signing it really wasn't that accurate. The vote was taken, but the signing is, these guys bugged out. Let's get out of here. The British are coming. Shit's hitting the fan. huh? And uh, they eventually got rolled up and moved, and the, the 54 outside, the other two signed it over, over the next month into August. The average age of the men that signed the Declaration of Independence was 45. But back then, now 45 is young here, but back then, you know, life expectancy is maybe 60, if that. So these guys were geezers back then compared to how we live our lives today. Of the 56 signers, the youngest was Thomas Lynch Jr. and Edward Rutledge of South Carolina. They were only 26. And, of course, the grand old man of all this, Penn Franklin, Of Pennsylvania was the oldest at 70. And I don't know about this one, but let's throw it out there anyway. The Declaration of Independence was written on a laptop. How could that be, John? Well, let me tell you what they're saying. Obviously not a modern laptop, but still Thomas Jefferson drafted the Declaration of Independence on a writing desk that fit over one's lap and the device at the time was called a laptop. Go figure. This whole fireworks tradition goes back to 1777. Uh, John Adams wrote in a letter to his wife, Abigail, that he wanted Independence Day to be celebrated with pomp, parade shows, and illuminations. The original letter was written when Adams presumed that the Independence Day would be celebrated on July 2nd. Can you Now, it's really not a big deal. It's just interesting to know this stuff. I wonder how things would sound different. It's like, instead of the 4th of July, the 2nd of July. Eh, not so much. Although official uh, national census was not completed until 1790, the U.S. Census Bureau estimates there were only about two and a half million people living in America in 1776 when the Declaration of Independence was signed. Can you imagine that? Two and a half million people started this country. That was the basic first population of the United States of America in 1776, and as of now, we're about 325.9 million. Mm Mm-hmm. Everybody will be hanging their flag out if they have them. Uh, How many people wear flag t-shirts, beach towels, shorts, headbands, any other items that are representative of the U.S. flag? Turns out you're in violation of the U.S. flag code. We see this all every time uh, around this time of year it rolls out. The U.S. flag code states that if you're in violation, if you sell, display any article of merchandise, which have been printed, painted, attached, or otherwise placed, a representation of the flag in order to advertise, call attention to, decorate, mark, or distinguish the article or substance on which so is placed. And of course, you'll see these bikinis with uh, the American flag on them and nobody's complaining about that. 50 years, 50 years after the uh, signing of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, 82, John Adams, 90, both died on July 4th, 1826, within five hours of each other on that 50th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. July 4th was not even deemed a federal holiday until 1870, nearly 100 years after the nation was founded. And, you know, when you you think about, at least for me, when I think about all the pieces that make this work or don't work, by the way, um, to me it's a work in progress. We were in Europe this past spring and we're having our 247th birthday on Monday, July 4th. And the streets there in some of the towns I was in were 10 times as old as that. We're a very young country, you know, and I think in so many ways, um, we're like teenagers at best, you know. I mean, everybody's sniping it back and forth and complaining and who did this and who did. It's truly amazing to me. Now, not that every country doesn't have its shit, eh? but this is our shit. And we're trying to figure this shit out and not be a dipshit all the time, and not have so much bullshit or dog shit. But that's the way of the world, right? And so this constant back and forth, you know, there were two or three actually major Supreme Court decisions this past week that will affect people. And for some people, it doesn't mean anything. And for some people, it means a lot. And this seesaw back and forth kind of thing uh, is hard on people. And and that's why you need to go fishing for a few days to get rid of this shit out of your way. So I guess what I'm saying here in short form, you know, celebrate the fourth. Don't blow your, any of your appendages off. Leave that to the professionals. Put out your flag if you're going to do that. If you want to wear the bikini, you're in violation of the code, but so what? I don't think a lot of people will care. A couple more things before I cut you loose. The designer of the 50-star flag lived in Lancaster, Ohio. In 1958, history teacher uh, signed a class assignment to redesign the national flag as both Alaska and Hawaii neared statehood. That's the year I was born. There's only 48 states till 1958. Robert G. Heff, who was 16 years old at the time, designed a new flag using the old 48-star flag and $2.87 worth of blue cloth and white iron-on material. His design earned him a (laughs) B-minus. to which he challenged by sending it to Washington, D.C. to be considered by President Dwight D. Eisenhower. According to his obituary, Heft was one of the thousands to submit a flag design, but the only person who actually stitched a flag together and shipped it to Washington. Once the flag was selected, Heft's grade was rightfully changed from a B- to an A+. His design became the official flag in 1960. So when you fly old glory, at least you know who designed it. Do you ever think about that? Now you know. We're 30 minutes right in the nose, kids. Have a great 4th of July. Celebrate our 247th. Be safe. And uh, I thought I'd let Ray Charles take it out of here today. Until next time, be well. Safe travels. Keep the faith. strife Who more than self country love something like this. Listen here. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies For amber waves of rain For purple mountain majesty. America, you know God done shed His grace on thee. He crowned that good, yes He did. Every brotherhood from sea.